This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. Hello out there in internet land and welcome to episode 145 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott. And on this podcast we interview writers, directors, agents, casting directors, managers, personal fitness folks, personal finance folks, and even uh, half men, half gods, right? Yeah, demigods, that's, that's, I believe. That's is, uh, demigod, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and we've <laughs> packed it up into this... Uh, little thing we call a podcast and throw it up in the internets for uh for for you around the world that is a true story and we are two guys that decided to start uh, a podcast and interview people that had kind of been there and done that because we're looking for the answers we you know we've been around the industry for a little while so we've we've had some experience we feel like we know some of the answers but there's always a cool story or some sort of unconventional or new path that somebody took so um, that's the whole goal of this podcast is to explore all the different ways that you can make it happen for yourself. So if you hear something on the show that you just completely doubt its authenticity and you think it's a bunch of bull crap and we shouldn't be spouting that off on the internet, or you hear something and you're like, that is the truth, yo, and I want to back you up and tell you how much I believe in what you're saying, uh, anything along that spectrum, we would love to hear from you. Uh, so feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, lots of different ways to do it. Just start at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And on this episode, we've got the latter of those two things. In other words, somebody saying, that is the truth, yo, and giving us some props in voicemail form. So we'll be getting to that, and as well as our... Uh, well, Trevor's second part of Trevor's interview with demigod Kevin Sorbo. So <laughs> stick around for that. So, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 145. How you doing, AJ? I am well, my friend. Uh, it's been not very long since we recorded. I know. It's only been like <laughs> 72 hours, I think, since we recorded the last episode. Something like that. Something like that. So, <clears throat> we were joking new in your before. world? What's that? Yeah, well, that's. I was just saying, we were joking before about how, like, when we record this close together, there's not much new to report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I am curious because you, you've been up and running now for about a month with Heathers or, or even longer. Uh, uh, almost two. So is it just like, are you kind of on autopilot at this point or is there still new stuff to discover or how's that going? Uh, are you talking about on stage uh, or well, just like yeah, in general? Yeah, I guess so, but is there is there off stage stuff to talk about too? Well, they're just, just in that, you know what we talked about the other uh what was it like two or three episodes ago when i was talking about you know just getting used to like an eight show week and all that yeah. that conversation um but on stage um 
I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Like, I am in the ensemble. I've talked about that before. And, you know, I feel like being in the ensemble in a musical, um, there's not a whole lot new to discover acting-wise. You know, maybe just sort of the way in which you listen, you know, might change. And also, you know, just hearing new things and making new discoveries as far as the overall plot and show goes. Little nuances and and things that no one would ever figure out unless they came to see the show, you know, a bunch of times. That kind of stuff. Other than that, there's there's a certain amount of muscle memory that's necessary especially in a in a musical having having the show in your body so to speak is really important that is definitely settled in cool and 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 it's good because you know i feel like i could do the show you know in your sleep in my sleep which yeah. is good which is good it's yeah. not that i don't i don't consider that a bad thing especially especially in a musical there are some shows that i've done where i i just knew the show so well inside and out and after a few weeks i just I literally would have one of those nights where I would kind of like, you know, warm up and get ready and then I would blink and the show was over and I was like, did that just happen? And I I was never sure if that was a good thing or a bad thing that it just kind of happened on autopilot because, you know, you want to be present and listening and, and spontaneous and all that. But also if it's that ingrained in your body that you can kind of just let it happen through you, that that can also be a good thing too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that getting to that point, it's like it's like leveling up in mm. in in acting terms. I'm trying to I'm trying to describe it, and then the words are escaping me. But it's here's what it is: if our job is to embody these human beings as though they were real human beings and not staged or filmed human beings, then my feeling is that if you get to that point where you know it so well that you can just be and let anything that's happening around or to you on stage or on camera, just, just let it happen to you. And therefore you can react as naturally as this human being would, if were they a real person, then we're, we're doing it right. 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 (laughs) Yeah. I think the only other piece of news, and I, I can't remember. You'll have to remind me if I mentioned it on uh, a previous episode. But the film that I was in that uh, just premiered at Tribeca, yeah, got, got enough uh, enough attention and, and actually got distribution. Nice, is, but through uh, through whom? I can't. Um, I think uh, Magnolia Pictures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a big one. Yeah, if, nice. If dude. I remember correctly. Is that up yeah, on your uh, IMDb profile yet? I think it is, yeah. I was on Life Partners IMDb page and, and I'm listed in the cast, so nice. I guess so. Well done, man. Well yeah. done. So, yeah, really so we cool. can I'm actually a- go see it. I mean, I'm sure it'll be on Amazon or Netflix or at least at, uh, you know on iTunes or something. We can rent it and, and, and check you out. Yeah, there's no release date listed anywhere. But um, I'm really hoping to see something, some some further news come from it, and yeah, that would be really cool. Right on. Yeah. What's uh, what's been going on with you in the last seventy two hours? hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, uh, I have set a deadline for myself because last episode we talked about, um, you know, I got a little bit of a, a, a secret music project happening. And I was um, going to release the first piece of that uh, at some point this week. So we're recording this on Thursday, and my self-imposed deadline is Friday. So as of this recording, I have not yet put it out to the world. But uh, by the time people hear this, it will be out in the world. So that's really um, that's my main project for the next few days. I'm, I'm working at my thrival job a lot, and uh, and then just really kind of pouring uh a lot of time and energy into the music thing and it's so satisfying man it's so it just feels really good to just just write stuff and then be like yeah that's that's how i feel right now that's that's pretty accurate you know so um, wow that's it man i'm i'm really uh i'm just i'm not making myself wrong for putting time on the music and not on as much into acting right now i I had lunch with uh deb smith our patron and listener and really cool person deborah smith yesterday her and her uh her boyfriend todd we all went to lunch and um we had a little bit of a conversation about kind of the either orness that sometimes comes up i think with a lot of creative people you know you you want to really focus on one thing and and there's that whole scattered focus equals scattered results kind of idea and a lot of creative people have several different kind of channels and passions and things that feed them. Uh, and I've made myself wrong about that for a long time. We've talked about this. Um, but I am practicing, actively practicing, not making myself wrong for letting my uh, time and atten- energy and attention drift a little bit into something else for, for a period of time. So it all comes back to the same place, goes to the same place. Um, that was a big thing I got from our Anthony Mindel interview, however many episodes ago that was, that, you know, creativity is one fountain that feeds on itself. So, um, I'm not, uh, I'm not beating myself up for, for not being like a hundred percent acting hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just wrote about a similar idea in that, that last dispatch, you know, I feel like yeah. we have you know there are all sorts of creative outlets and and all it does is is feed your your well your artist brain mm-hmm. and it's all it's all sustaining it's all assist, you know to sustain us as as artists everything that everything that you do in other words i guarantee you that what you're working on right now in your music is making you a better actor So uh, we have a voicemail from a gentleman named Mark who called in a few weeks ago. Uh, he's from Milwaukee, but he's uh, about to go to school in New York City. Do you want to cue this one up? Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, Mark's voicemail. Hey, guys. My name is uh, Mark from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm an actor. Uh, been acting here for about eight years, collectively. Um, first off, I just wanted to congratulate you guys on... To me, what seems like an incredibly, incredibly successful podcast, um, it's great for a guy like me who kind of is striving for a, a bigger acting community, and I feel like 
kind of like that kid in the 40s who like listens to the radio uh, with the podcast <laughs> and it's like oh my gosh that's like amazing i can't wait for it and uh oh, i just cool. want to congratulate you guys and it's it's really great work and it's so low-key and chill which is so nice oh, um, thanks man especially in a place where just a lot of stuff is kind of thrown at you in this profession my question to you guys is um I'm making the brave step of heading to New York City in the summer to attend um, the New School for Drama, the graduate program, which I'm really excited about and mostly really scared, but really excited. And um, one of my goals is to um, approach the field of television and really get into that. And um, I know how how kind of consuming um, school land is and being in a graduate school program. Land. But um, I was wondering... Uh, if you guys have any suggestions as to what I could do um, to potentially relationship build, which, by the way, I think is um, a great human, incredibly human term, um, or what I could, just little things that maybe you guys have, little nuggets of information as to what I could do in little ways to um, kind of get my neck out there while still uh, attending school for three years. Um, really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. And, uh, I hope you guys have a nice and peaceful week. All right. Take care. Cool. Well, Mark, thank you so much for, for calling in for the kind words and for a great question. Um, gut, gut reactions or right off the bat, AJ, anything that comes to mind? Well, first of all, he sounds like a terrible person. Yeah. Uh, Selfish and... Uh, mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mark, I think that my first gut reaction is... is First of all, congratulations on, on on going to a great school. But you're going to a great school, and I feel like that in and of itself is going to be potentially your greatest resource. I don't know how much experience you have in the New York market. I'm brand new myself, so I'm still learning the the ropes, so to speak. I think that you know it, it, it kind of depends on how your professors see what it is that you're up to there meaning um how they view it because for instance at my alma mater and this is really no secret uh for anybody who's ever experienced ucla but for my alma mater it was essentially discouraged to go out and look for work or, or book work outside of school they 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 sort of frowned upon it even more more than frowned upon it, there were certain people who who were um, asked to leave the uh, the track, really, or or the theater school because of it. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Is and that, it, it, they they just see it as a distraction, or what was the yeah, reason? Yeah, yeah, I think so. They 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 had this view of like you're not ready, which always was like weird. It was always yeah. weird to me because it's like, well, if I'm not ready, then how did I book this gig? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like. Right. It just, so I, I essentially my point is you know talk to, talking to your professors your 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 classmates your administrators the, the, your resources at the school I feel like are going to be probably a good place to start and you could potentially use those relationships to build other relationships and uh, therefore start on this on this journey uh, in this particular market if that's what you want now i also noticed that you said that you were interested specifically in television and i feel like that's just a matter of research 
and finding out what shows shoot in New York, who casts them, and how you can get in front of those casting directors, whether it be casting director workshops, meetings. You will likely have a showcase in your third year. Now, I know you don't want to probably don't want to wait that long, but it's a great way to to get your face and, and your name out there. Using that or using any tools like that to kind of reach out to casting directors, producers, directors, agents, managers, etc., is great. I mean, I think I, I, I certainly did it when I was at UCLA, and I know many others who did. Essentially, just sending out a, 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 a blind submission it won't always get any kind of response, but it, it helps if, for instance, you are saying... I am currently attending or I'm about to graduate from insert prestigious program here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so that will certainly help. What, what are your thoughts on this, Trev? Well, I like I, everything that you just said. Obviously, we're always on the same page uh, when it comes to this stuff. And Mark, if you haven't checked out uh, Bonnie Gillespie's Self-Management for Actors, um, highly recommend that. I, I will admit I have not read that book cover to cover, but I do know she has a lot of online resources. Uh, there's a great Facebook group that's really active. And the way that she approaches the business of, of, uh, of show, as it were, is really smart, I think, and she she really kind of like breaks it down into like you know the the people who are hiring you for your services or are interested in your talents and your and your your work uh, are are buyers, and it's all about just kind of making sure that your message is clear and consistent and authentic and genuine um, with them. So I highly recommend uh, picking that book up. I think you can get the most current edition, which is I believe the fourth edition on kindle for like seven bucks eight bucks maybe um so i i definitely recommend checking that out so that's that's number one and then number two is just kind of what we typically tend to say about building relationships find ways to pay it forward find ways that you can kind of fill a need in that person's life uh, um in uh in the beach body training that i do as a beach body coach they teach us something that i think is really really amazing it's called forming people and FORM is an acronym that stands for Family, Occupation, Recreation, and Message. And I think it's a great thing to use just in, in life and especially as an actor. So the way it kind of breaks down is when you're talking to somebody or you're making a new connection or building a new relationship, you start by asking them about their family and then ask you, asking them about their occupation. And in this case, specifically in the entertainment industry, I would veer away from so you're an agent, huh? Or, oh, you're a manager, huh? Or you're a casting director, huh? I would maybe veer it more towards what do you do outside of the industry? Um, not necessarily recreation, but like, what did you do before you got into the industry? Or maybe um, tell me a little bit about another job that you do, maybe because a lot of people have side jobs and things like that. Then move into the recreation part. What do you do for fun? And then finally, once you've heard about these people and learned about them, um, then maybe get to your message, which is, Hey, I'm an actor. These are my goals. Um, maybe there's a way that we can work together. And if if you've formed them correctly, uh, if you've if you've explored their kind of world correctly, you'll be able to find something that they are passionate about, or that they're afraid of, or that they are very uh, that they care about, or something that's important to them that you can somehow offer. There's going to be some sort of overlap in your lives, and you can find a way to connect with them on that personal level. 
and then follow up uh, our good friend Gadali. AJ, you're and I, your yours and I, mine and yours, good friend. That's <laughs> weird. I don't know how to phrase that. Anyway, good, good mutual, luck with that one. <laughs> mutual friend of ours. Uh, he's been blogging a lot. He's got a great website called uh, awesomewebguy.com, and he's actually supporting us a lot with um, some of the inside acting overhauls on the website and uh, and the marketing side. Just just he's got a great mind for this kind of thing, and he wrote a blog post about. Um, following up with people and he framed it in the context of headshot photographers and he said the people that always seem to get his business are the ones that follow up with him but it just dawned on me while i was reading that that very few people actually follow up and that's almost always where where the um forgive the language here but that's almost always where the sale is like when you follow up you're really demonstrating to people that you care that you care about uh, the message you care about supporting them in their lives. That is not just, you look salesy. I think if you don't follow up and I think that's a, a thing that people have is that they think that, Oh, if I, if I, if I'm pressed them on this, or if I'm constantly connecting with them over and over, then, uh, it's going to appear salesy. But, uh, my impression is that if you don't, if you just connect once and then you don't follow up, then that looks salesier that looks uh, manipulative somehow or that looks like you're just looking for something kind of surface or shallow so i would say um practice the form thing and it's got to be genuine it's got to be authentic it can't be like an exercise you do at that on that same note it's it's all about practice but um yeah do that find the uh find the authentic things and then and then just build a connection follow up find a way that they they prefer to be kept in contact with whether that's email or text message or phone or whatever and then you know, put a reminder in your calendar every few days to just check in with them, or maybe it's every few weeks, and just say hi, and um, connect with them on the the things that were overlaps in your life. And if you come across a website or a resource of some kind that could be of use to them, send it their way, and just let them know that that you care, that you care about um, about them having a, a you know a good experience of their life, not just what you can get from them, what they can give you. So, yeah, I feel very strongly about that as a um, as a mode of operation. I think for for creative people in this industry. So, uh, and I think it's it's kind of bulletproof. I've said it time and time again on the show. I know, but I think that is the way to build bulletproof relationships. And how much more powerful is that than just giving somebody your business card and saying, "Let's network." Hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like they, so well, so, it's yeah. it's 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 so so generous, you know, uh, with your time, your um, uh, emotional investment, attention. You know, it's 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 a it's a generous way to approach a, a relationship and relationship building. So yeah, yeah, and it's it's what more? How much more in the spirit of the kind of work that we do could you get? You know, I think when when mm. people give out a business card and they say let's network or whatever, and they don't follow up. That is so antithetical to the work that we do. I mean, if you think about acting and filmmaking, it, it's arguably the most intimate way that you can connect with a, another human being on this emotional level, oftentimes live, in person, um, through these kind of heightened uh, stories that we, that we tell. And it's like, why would you not back that up with a genuine connection outside of that, that situation? You know, I mean, it's just let's give people the whole package rather than just here's my business card. Let me know what you can do for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's so antithetical to the work that we do. So in, in the spirit of the work we do, 
I just feel like a genuine practicing, practicing, practicing genuine connections with people uh, and looking for ways to add to their lives in all areas is uh, something that that will change the world. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark, I know it was very human centered, but that's a lot of what we talk about on the podcast here. And um, if there's some aspect that of your question that we didn't answer, feel free to reach out again, email the podcast, call us back, and you know, let's get more specific. If uh, if a more specific answer is what you were looking for. Awesome. In the meantime, let's uh, roll on into this interview. What do you think? Let's do it. Here it is. Kevin Sorbo, part two. Uh, really, really good stuff uh, in this one as well, guys. So I hope you were inspired by part one. Get ready for a little bit more in part two. We'll catch you on the other side. Speaking of books, mm-hmm. uh, my roommate has True Strength, your, your cool. book. Um, I, I purposely did not read it because I wanted to come and speak to you and, mm-hmm. and kind of be open to the first the first impression, as it were. Um, but I know that there were some difficulties that you had to deal oh. with uh, while you were shooting Hercules and in other yeah. areas of your life. So let's talk a little bit about that. Well, it was, um, it was like three months left in season five, and I was having all kinds of problems with my left shoulder. And three fingers on my left hand were the one from the pinky to the middle finger were getting numb and cold. I couldn't figure out what was going on with them. And I kept having this throbbing pain. But, you know, look, I was up at 4.30 every morning on that series. Um, I'm on the set. We're working 14-hour days. Uh, then I go to the gym for two hours, lift weights. I mean, I was pretty much 17 to 18 hours door-to-door every day. I mean, it was a long, Jeez. it was a tough schedule. And I was doing all my own stunts. I was into it because that's the jock in me, you know, and I want to do them because I, I can do it, you know, and I loved it on top of it. I had great stunt guys. My stunt guys were amazing. So one of my, one of my, uh, uh, one of our best stunt guys, Ben Cook, has been Daniel Craig's body double for the last 10 years, done all the James Bond movies for him and everything. So it's just amazing. And I just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And finally, uh, I had to come back to the States. I just finished a year ago. I did a movie called Call the Conqueror, which is a prequel to Conan the Barbarian. And uh, I shot that in Croatia and Slovakia for like three and a half months. Came back to do Letterman, Leno, all the talk shows. And I was going to do another movie in Atlanta, Georgia with Meatloaf and Randy Travis. And so it was kind of a fun little action movie from Universal Studios. But it gotten so bad, the shoulder, I finally went to see my doctor in, in L.A. here. And, and he found a lump in my shoulder. And he wanted to do a biopsy on that freaked me out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to see my chiropractor. And in eight years to see my chiropractor, he was in Santa Monica, he never cracked my neck because I don't like my neck cracked. I said, do not crack my neck. That's one thing I told him. Way, he knows it, knows I don't like it. Well, I'm laying there, and he sees, yeah, you've got something going on here. This is some, you know, he's working the shoulder. Heard a voice in somebody said, don't let him crack your neck. And I was like, I hope my eyes says, did you say something? He goes, I didn't say anything. Close my eyes again. He's working. He says, don't let him crack your neck. And I said, why am I hearing his voice saying, don't let him crack my neck? He's never cracked my neck. He knows I don't like my neck cracked. While I'm arguing with myself about the voice I'm hearing, tell him not to crack my neck, boom, he cracks my neck from left to right. Well, that lump ended up being an aneurysm in my left subclavicle that had been spitting clots into this arm very slowly over three, four months or a year or whatever. Just took those last three months, it started to manifest itself. And that crack, because it was so close to the artery feeding the brain, forced three of the clots into my brain. I suffered three strokes. Oh, my God. Now, 
I'm very lucky. I could have died instantly, obviously, because it's getting three bullets to the brain. Um, but two of them went to my balance center, one went to my vision. Well, here's a guy in the 30s, in my mid-30s, in better shape than most guys in their 20s. All of a sudden, I went from that guy to a guy that was like 95 years old and I couldn't stand up and walk. So I spent four months. I had to drop out of the movie, obviously. I spent the next four months in rehab learning how to balance and walk again. And I still have a 10% loss of vision in both eyes. But it took, it took three full years for me to feel like I'm 100%. And I know it's because of the age I was and the physical level I was in. If it happened to me when I was 80, I don't think it would, would have made it, probably. Right. But it was, um, it was tough. And my wife bugged me for years to write this book. So I, the book came out. It's called True Strength. Then go to truestrengthbook.org to check it out. And um, it's been amazing. I've been speaking at hospitals, churches. I spoke in front of 1,600 neurologists in San Diego last year. I've got four more lined up over the next four months speaking. I'm, I'm going up to Ottawa and Canada. I'm going to Montreal. I'm going to New York. I'm going to Memphis. Um, just bounce around. It's, it's, it was a long road to feel. I, I went back down to New Zealand four months later. I still have all kinds of balance issues, vertigo, dizziness, headaches, migraines, things that never, I never had problems with before. I couldn't lift weights in those four months at all. I lost about 15 pounds of muscle. Wow. And uh, you can see the difference in season five and six. Trust me, you can see it. <laughs> Uh, and I went to, I started the first month was like one hour a day. Second month was two hours. They, they, they took, it took, they just slowly built me back up. So by the end of season six, I was maybe back up to eight or nine hours a day. And we just kept it at that. They realized, you know, you don't need to be on the set 14 hours a day. There's so much wasted time on movie sets and television yeah. sets. It just drives me crazy. <clears throat> and ever since then, I act like a, an assistant first AD now. Cause I'll, I'll get on set. What, what, what are we waiting for? All right. What are we doing? Right. You know, cause right. we just sit around and start talking. Oh, can we shoot? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's shoot. You know, it's like, there's so much wasted time. And I, I, I remind directors all the time. I'm segueing a little bit, but I, I, every time I work with a director, first time, after a day or two, I'll go, you know what? Clint Eastwood makes Academy Award winning movies and he shoots eight hour days. <laughs> that's it. Does he really? Clint's eight hours a day. Boom. That's it. In and out. That's awesome. They're in and out, done. You don't, it just, you don't have to waste that kind of time. Yeah. You know, but it, it does. I mean, it's just weird. Some people are so old school. Now you got to work 16 hour days. No, you don't. Yeah. You Especially really when you have so many people on a set sometimes. I know. You, just, you just forget who's in charge yeah. and who's yeah. calling the shots. Well, you need, a, you need a good first AD. You need somebody yeah. that everybody hates but loves because he cracks the whip or right. she cracks right. the whip in a proper way. But, I mean, to get back to the book, it's just it's been amazing to have people come up to me and say, not only stroke survivors but heart attack, car crash, whatever it may be, survivors crying, saying, your book has motivated me to stop feeling sorry for myself. Because really that's what it was for me is just to say, I'm not going to let this thing beat me. You know, and I had tough, tough love for my wife, too. She told me to stop, you know, quit, you know, it happened. Deal with it. And wow. you have to, because we're all going to hit that wall one day. We just don't know when and where it's going to be. You are going to hit that wall that's going to be life-threatening for you. Doesn't, you won't know what age you'll be. How do you react to it when you hit that wall? And that's what this book's about. It's, and, it's, and it's anecdotal. It's, it's funny. It's biographical. It's a mixture of things. It's not just, just, you know, it's not wallowing in pity. It's really about triumph over tragedy. So did you ever find out what that tumor was you know what? You no, know, it was an aneurysm. An aneurysm is a, is a weakening in the blood vessel. It can happen anywhere in your body. If, mm-hmm. happens, if that happened, my brain would be dead. That would just boom. That would have been his, history. But um, it, they don't know. They think it could have been years lifting weights because uh-huh. they got baseball pitchers that the repetition of throwing, throwing, throwing can wear down with the muscle, bone, whatever, just rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing. Could have been something there since birth. Could have been. They don't know. Could have been stress related. They don't know because I'm not I'm not a clotter, I'm not any of that stuff. I've passed every physical exam they've thrown at me since. So and I you know, I went on to finish the last two years of that. Um, Hercules, the five years went straight into five years on Andromeda, another hundred ton of episodes there, and I've shot about fifty movies since then. Jeez. 
So I'm obviously still here, knock on wood. Yeah, so. <laughs> still working right on. So let's talk about your um, production company then. Because mm-hmm. uh, you said you started a production company seven years ago to just get things done that other people Yeah, worked. well, you know what? I, you meet a lot of people. You're in, the, you're, in the, you're in this industry. I'm lucky to keep working. It's called Touchwood Productions. Um, I, I do a lot of celebrity golf stuff. And through that, I meet all these wealthy guys. There's all CEOs I'm meeting and stuff. And, all, and they say, you know what? I've always wanted to do a movie. And, the, you know, so I do movies in the $1 to $5 million range. And you get these guys that say, well, okay, throw my daughter in, just give her a line. I have no problem with that. They're smart enough to know not to give her a lead or something like that. But, right. you know, what, if you're going to sit there and give me $2 million to shoot a movie, I'll, I'll put your daughter in there as an extra and give her a line, you know. But um, that's kind of how the whole thing happened. And, I, and it's actually through other other established production companies I've met. Because you go to any movie now, you see about five different production companies yeah, pop up yeah, along yeah. with the studio. Yeah. That's the way, because it never used to be that way. But everybody's afraid, to, you know, it's such a risky venture now that they want everybody else to share the risk with you. Because otherwise, things won't get made. I'm always shocked mm-hmm. anything gets made in this town. Because you know, this town is all about, like I said earlier, it's all about saying no. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just formed my own production company. And, you know, it's... It's been great. The number of people I've met, the projects come in. I get scripts all the time. I give them 20 pages. If it doesn't hold my interest, I'm done. Hmm. You know, it's got to hold my – if 20 pages, then I'll, I'll – if it's got my interest, then, then you've got a shot at it. But uh, it's been it's been a lot more work, but it's been fun at the same time. It's been fun to create some more work, and I've got a lot more movies outside of what my manager and agent have got me. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I feel like it's the best way to ensure career longevity. You know what? You have to. It's just because yeah. they just – you know, unless they got another movie for, you know, for for Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, they, it's, it's they're they're not going to be looking for a lot of people. Doesn't matter how much success you've had; it's pretty yeah. easy to be forgotten in this town very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Do you do any writing at all? I know, I know you co-wrote. I wrote some... one episode of Hercules. Okay, I'll never do it again. Really? <laughs> I, it was fun. Well, I wrote my book, and uh-huh. I, it's funny that it's called Last Week. They want to write. They want me to write another book about something else. But I, I got called from the publisher in New York, so we'll see if I have the energy for it. But it's a lot of work. I think it's the toughest part of the Hollywood. I think mm-hmm. writing is the toughest part of the industry, and it's the most important part. Yeah. Why do you think it's the toughest part? It's tough. I don't think. I don't think it's easy to sit and look at a blank piece of paper and come up with stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. look at the hot, <clears throat> hottest team out there right now. Writing were were the two young bucks that came on a Hercules during my last three years it was Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi. Well, they ended up writing my favorite episodes of Hercules. And they were like 23, 24 years old when we hired them. We finished. They went on and created Alias through Jennifer Garner. They, then they went on and did Fringe. But in between all that, they've done all four Transformer movies. They've done the last two recent Star Trek Jeez. movies. They wrote Cowboys and Aliens. They're the showrunners on Hawaii Five O. They're Sleepy Hollow. They're I mean, they're everything. These guys are now like, you know, and they're they're forty and all these years later and they're right. they don't look nothing unless you got seven figures attached to it. You know, it's amazing what these guys would become. But they wow. I could see their talent way back way back then. Very talented guys. And so directing is also something that you do now as well? I did. Well, I started directing on Hercules, I'm DGA. Um uh, I'm talking to Sci-Fi Channel, supposed to be doing one for them. We'll see what's happening. I've, I've got one I'm directing later this year in Nashville. We'll probably do it late fall. It's called Normal Like Me. It's a, it's a drama, family drama. It deals with autism. Hmm. And uh, we're going to shoot it in part of it in Dollywood. All right. Part of Nashville. Cool. And, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, i got a lot of hats, you know, I'm wearing and throwing around right now. And cool. So, it's I like to stay busy. I don't, I don't sit very well. I, I remember during... My hot commercial years, I'd find out about other commercials through friends, and I'd call up my agent, and I would say, you know, 
I'm working a lot for you guys already. Why don't you send me out to that? And I'd get something. Oh, Kevin, we got a hundred other clients. I, said, I don't give a crap about your hundred other clients. They don't care about me. Mm-hmm. To me, my, my motto was get me in the room. Give me the chance to be rejected. All right. If, if I don't get in the room, I'm certainly not going to get the job. But I said, give me that chance to get in the room. What kind of, what kind of films or stories draw you the most? Um, I love comedies. I like to laugh. You know, I think that's why people love Hercules so much. We had a lot of humor in Hercules. We had lived a lot in the show, not taking away from writers, but we, there's, they were in New Zealand. I mean, we're in New Zealand. They're in LA. They're 7,000 miles away. They're not on the movies. They're not on the set. Mm-hmm. So things happen in blocking. Things happen magically in blocking. When you're on the set, you're in the wardrobe and you're working with the actors and all of a sudden, Hey, what if you say this at the end of the thing? You know, I mean, I, I didn't have to be me doing it all the time, but I always, I, I always came up with a lot of good lines. I'm tooting my own horn, but I did. And a lot for other <laughs> actors. A lot for other actors. Because to me, I want the, per, the whoever makes most sense to say that line. And it was always at, at the end of a scene, usually. Because mm-hmm. that's, you kind of go, this is a great tag out. You should say this before you know they cut to the next scene or commercial, whatever it's going to be. So um, that gave a lot of laughs for people. I know that. And the writers actually tried to write that way for us. Like, I bet you Sorbo's going to say this. Let's put this in. You know, you could see them trying to change um, the way they were you know, writing the ends of scenes a lot. But uh, I'll leave the writing to writers. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. So in the production company then, I mean, because mm-hmm. I'm learning that producers really are just people who can get things paid for and organize things more yeah. than anything else, yeah. really. And that's where most of the money is. Yeah. They yeah. get more of the money. <laughs> so I want to own my own product. You own your own product. You're, yeah. Trust me, you're going to make more of the money because the studios will, you know, they, it's called creative accounting. They will make anything look like it didn't make any money. Hmm. When Peter Jackson has to sue for his back end in Lord of the Rings, you're going, wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. They shot each one for about $350 million. They make $2 billion each. Yeah, okay. That you didn't break even on? You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Right. It's incredible. And they get away with it. Yeah. It's a great movie called Artifact that I saw recently mm-hmm. with Jared Leto's band, 30 Seconds to Mars. They talk oh, yeah. about the record industry and how they do the creative accounting thing all the time. Sure. It's, it's like entrapment, you know, yeah. they screw these bands into being stuck with the label That's and they why lose money it, every you, time. You, you go look back, you can look at uh, Bruce Springsteen talk about that. Yeah. In the 70s, yeah. he felt like he was in prison until he could get his own product back. But, you know, yeah. when you're young and you're out there, you feel like you need these guys. And we live in a different world now. Even in the publishing world, people are self-publishing. Yeah, yeah. It's changing. It's, it's, and it's forcing these guys, hopefully, to be a little more honest. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, you saw you saw like you said about about you know the music industry. The same thing in our industry as well. It's they will do everything they can to say, say oh, we didn't make any money on that show. Yeah, yeah. And you're going oh, okay, they, then they do it. But it's not like you said it's not working that much anymore because 2014, like the tools are available to. I mean, this kind of setup that we have right here, yeah. even just five six years ago, it would have cost double this. Look at the cameras. Yeah. You get yeah. red cameras, you get amazing camera equipment. You can get through Canon's got major, just stuff you can hold in the palm of your hand yeah. that shoots better than the cameras did 10 years ago. Yeah. So you're going to get a lot of these young Spielbergs coming up that are in junior high and high school right now that are doing their own movies. Because I look at kids, I look at my own kids on the computer. I don't know how the hell they do this stuff. I yeah. look at that, I go, how did you put that together? You know, I mean, they're, they're learning their own way to do visual effects. And I can't, I can't begin to figure it out. And yeah. so it's, it's, it is changing, and, the, and studios are looking at people that are playing on their computers and seeing what they're doing because they're come up. They're going to be buying a lot more ideas than they already have. Yeah, yeah, and you've got YouTube studios, Justin Bieber, right? Yes, I mean, come on, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. 
That's yeah. why shows like The Voice and American Idol are so popular. You yeah, know? it's just it's people can like, the chance to you know live out their dream. Yeah. So why are you an actor? What is the core motivation for you? What's the calling? You know, you'd love to say that uh, that you know you're not comfortable in your own skin. I'm very comfortable in my own skin. There are actors who love just having to be other people, and I get that. I've seen people in interviews that I remember. I remember uh, Heath Ledger. You know, the rest of his soul was. Never comfortable in his own skin. Every time I saw him in an interview, he couldn't sit still. Mm. He was always moving, always touching himself. And always, he just very uncomfortable. And uh, I remember seeing an interview with um, Sir Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Olivier. And he, he said, I need something. I need, a, I need a nose. I need glasses. I need a hat. I need, he needed a prop on his face even so it wouldn't have to be himself oh, in a way. And yeah. uh, I, I, I just like it. To me, it's like it's ridiculous. I agree with Marlon Brando who said years ago, you know, actors are the most immature people on the earth. And I kind of have to agree with that some way. Because, um, you know, we get paid to pretend, you know. But it's I, – I want to be an actor more than anything because I, I loved – as a person, as a kid growing up, still love going to movies, watching TV shows, being affected, making, mm-hmm. making me laugh, making me cry, making me think, uh, whatever it is. And I, I think it's an amazing art form. I mean, we all, we all love it. I mean, look how much time people spend watching TV and going to movies. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't have to live in the real world all the time. It's kind of nice to, uh, to have an escape. And I think that's, and that's why shows like Hercules and Andromeda, you know, you got fantasy and you got sci-fi. People want to escape. The mm. news gets depressing after a while. You know, it's just everything. Every day, it's just more of this, more of that, more murders, more war, more something. You, you, why not? Have a place to at least escape to a while because that's what imagination your mind is for. Yeah. I mean, you read a script, you read a book, and we all see it differently. And that's why we all, we all have, we're all directing while we're reading that book. Right, you know? right, right. We're seeing it play out in our brains, and that's why it's different for different people. So um, I, think it's, I think it's great. I think I, it's a drug. It really is. It's a drug I wouldn't recommend to people because I, once I became successful, so to speak, uh, I got hit up with every seventh cousin I never met before in my life. And really? neighbors say, oh, we got a really cute niece, and what does she need to do to get that? You know, I said, oh, oh, my God. You know, if, if I tell actor class, I go speak in acting class sometimes. I say, look, do this profession because you love the craft. Don't do it because you're going to become famous. You know, it's unfortunate we got this Kardashian world where people are famous just for being famous. Yeah. And get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to show up clubs because of what reason? Yeah. Because if there's a true talent there, you know, God bless them. God bless America that this is going to happen. But <laughs> if there's a true talent there, they would be in TV shows and movies, real TV shows and movies, yeah. acting. Yeah. Not just sort of being themselves in front of a camera. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to see uh, this sort of play out the way it's played out right now in, in today's world because everybody now just wants to be famous right away. And it doesn't it doesn't work that way. There's not enough room for that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I love the competition because it makes everybody else better. It's like who's the next Tiger Woods, who's the next Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, yeah. it makes it competition's a good thing. Yeah. And those guys are notori- they're notorious for their work ethic. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. And you have to respect that. Yeah, I mean, I remember when Tiger, being a golfer, I remember when Tiger Woods first came out, Phil Mickelson, another one of the world's greatest golfers, said, he's only going to make all of us better. Mm. And I know what he meant. Because you know, I better go work harder. Yeah. I better go hit the range and hit more golf balls. Yeah. You know? That's what I look at when I look at really great actors. It's like I, I admire really great actors. And you go, okay, I, I want to aspire to that. But, you know, you, can't, you don't always get what you want to get for parts either. You know, you gotta, sometimes you get, you know, you got a mortgage to pay, right? you got things to play, pay for. I remember a great um, – I met Michael Caine, Sir Michael Caine, years ago in Beverly Hills. I was at the, one of the hotels there. 
And I was walking in. He was walking out. I stopped, and he stopped. And I just introduced myself. I was, I know who you are, Kevin. And he talked to me for almost an hour. Mm-hmm. I, know you. I, mean, I didn't want to bother him. I just, but we just kept talking and talking. He knew that I worked with Anthony Quinn on Hercules because Quinn played Zeus. I worked with mm-hmm. one of the greatest actors for a whole year with Anthony Quinn. And he had all these great stories. And, and I remember an interview I'd seen years before where, where the guy, there was an interview, and he said, you're Sir Michael Caine. Why would you do Jaws 3D? I mean, really? I mean, have, have you ever even seen that movie? He goes, no, but I saw the house that built me in Spain. He said. <laughs> so I love that answer. You know, yeah, you don't always yeah. do it. Maybe, he, maybe he's, you know, this, this will be a kick in the ass. I'm going to yeah. do this script because it looks like fun. And, and, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe he wanted to build a house in Spain. So I said, oh, you're going to pay me that much money? Okay, I can build that house in Spain. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So not everything is going to be Academy Award or win an Emmy. That's, that's life. And as an actor... You kind of you want to mix it up and do different things. Why not? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we're, we're kind of coming to the end here, so we right. have two questions that we like to wrap up uh, with, right. with all our guests. And the first one is uh, it's a little bit out there, but it always gets really interesting answers. And it's: Do you feel that this career path chose you, or do you feel that you chose it? Um, I think it chose me. I think it chose. I think just because of the things. Like I mentioned earlier, watching these old movies with my mom, going to the Guthrie Theater and seeing the play, I think I think it was calling out to me and said, this is what you have to do. Hmm. And uh, like I said, it's a drug. It's, there's no question it's a drug. I love it. I don't. I hate I hate the politics of Hollywood. I hate the BS you got to put up with. I hate the whole things with managers and agents and all these different things. And, and I'm, not an, I'm not an ass kisser. I've never been very good at playing the game. That's why I live 40 miles out of L.A., I get invited to things now, but I rarely will drive into it. I'm going, ah, do I want to drive that premiere for two hours and be in a car just, you know, for a two hour trip? And I, I'm grateful for these things, but on the, on the flip side, it's like I don't have time for it. So I, I just, I, it, 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 it pulled me in whether I wanted to pull into it or not. What I love is being on the set. I love mm-hmm. being on the set. I love the creativeness of all the people on both sides of the camera. I love, I love the, I call it organized chaos. Because if you had the bird's eye view of, of a set just before a scene is shot, and you got the prop department, you got the art department, you got all these people running around, you got just everybody's going crazy, and then it settles and action, boom. And that's my time. Yeah. You know, and t- between action and cut, that's my time. And I still get goosebumps. I still get, I, I still love, I still, I, I love doing that. I love that creation of it. I love, you know, you screw up, you screw up. You just laugh about it and go into it. I, I, I like directors that keep it going, too. What I, I don't, what I think it drives most actors crazy is when they call cut on a set. And maybe you know as an actor, God, I'm going to do that again. They go, we're going to do it again. And then the DP wants to relight this. And all of a sudden, 15, 20 minutes go, no, no, just keep it going. Right, right, You know, right, I remember yeah. I was on the set of Kevin Costner's movie for the love of the game. I know Kevin, golf with Kevin through the years. And uh, Sam Raimi was directing. Sam Raimi did all Spider-Man movies. And Sam was my exec producer on Hercules. So I knew him from that. And Sam invited me on set with Kevin. They were shooting at Universal a lot. And, and I was watching Sam direct. And it was great because they're doing the scene and the cameras are still rolling. They just finished the scene. Sam runs in, says something to the actors, and then runs out again. And then, the, but they and go. And they just go. Yeah. yeah, and I love that. I wish every director would work like that yeah. because it gets the flow going, and you just get into it. And so, because I know Jim Carrey, he and I had the same manager for like seven, eight years. They just let him go. <laughs> he'll just he's got the line, but he'll move on it in different directions, and he'll. They'll keep the camera on him when they do his close-up timer or whatever he wants to show with his body language, and they just let him go. And he'll do 12 things in a row, and they'll pick up the one that was the funniest. Yeah. 
but you know he's so good at improv and, and just you kind of go that's kind of neat you know it's, yeah. and I, I'm sure Seth Rogen works that way and a lot of those guys I think there's a lot of improv and the stuff that yeah. they do it's, it's so. so cool. There's so many different approaches you can take. Yeah. You know? like I, uh, well, I mean, I still, I don't want to go off the page that much. I mean, I'd still respect the writers. And if I, if I t- accept the part, accept it because I like the writing. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping the other actors come and prepared as well. I've been very fortunate. There's only been a, a very a, a handful of actors that were just a pain in the ass to work with. And I never want to work with them again. Because to me, it's like, guys, let's, we're working this together. Let's have fun doing this. Cool. And the last question is, uh, if you had some sort of nugget of advice, if you could take all your experience and all your, mm-hmm. all your uh, victories, pitfalls, everything, and just condense it into one nugget to kind of pass on to the next generation, what would that nugget of advice be? Um, don't let anyone set your limitations. I know I said it earlier, but don't let anything hold you back on what you want to do. And I, I don't want to be, like I said, I don't want to be sappy about it and corny about it, but you really... You really have to find a way to turn all the negativity, all the frustration, all the anger, all the hatred, all the envy you have for other people working, you're not working, all that stuff, into something that's a positive way. Because I got to a point about two years before I got Hercules where every actor's done this. I know they have. They do their audition. They get in the car. They're back on the four or five or the one-on-one. And they start biting their steering wheel and they're going, why did I do it that way? And they're mad at themselves for how they delivered whatever that line was, whatever the scene was. Go into those auditions from now on, and with the attitude I had was, this is my part. In my mind, before I start the audition, it's my part. And I walked out, and I got my car. They don't book me. It's their loss. And I started working more, and I started getting callbacks more on, on movies and TV. And then the whole Hercules thing happened. And it's just, it, got to the, it just got to a place. I did a couple pilots that didn't get picked up, but I still got the, you know, the lead in them and things like that. So I knew... I reached a whole new level of just of calm and not being not being my own worst enemy and not beating myself up. And that, I think that's the biggest thing to remember is just just go in and just do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And instead of just getting all crazed about how you're doing it, you should have had that done before you walked in there. You know, get the words out of the way. Just go in there and do it. And because casting directors can be evil. They can't be cast. I think a lot of casting directors that are are frustrated actors that didn't make it, mm-hmm. and they already have a thing about you. You might be, you know, it, you're, you're better looking, you're prettier, you're younger, whatever it may be, and they're coming. They're already just like, because I've gone in to read when they've been they've been like making notes and something else, and they go back over, oh, blah blah blah, and then they go over here and start doing something else. They're not even looking up at you and reading. They got the camera over there, yeah, their assistants running yeah. the camera, but you're like going, you know what? Screw you. Yeah, you know, don't waste my, don't make me drive in here, and not have any respect for what we do. I mean, that, that's my biggest pet peeve is this way the attitudes you got to deal with. Because I've 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 been in the casting process where I already had the role, and I heard the things that these producers say when the actors walk out, and I go, "Wow, they talk that way about me when I walk out too." Hmm. There's a lot of insecurity on both sides. Trust me. Yeah. There's a lot of insecurity. This business is it's it's unfortunate that it runs on such pettiness and you feel like you're in junior high again or something. Hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But what you said earlier about, you know, when you show up, you are a professional. I feel like that's the cure for it. It's like show, just show up. Pro. Have fun, but but like be punctual, yeah. do your job, be a pro and be be on time, trust me. Yeah. I don't get it how why some of these actors they got these if they're more established actors and they show up an hour late, they show up, they don't, you know, knock on their camp or, hey, we need you on set, and they make you wait another half an hour. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. 
You know, I think the most I've ever made anybody wait if they knock on my door, maybe two minutes. You know, so I'll be right there, you know? Yeah. Finish up what I was doing and then and go. But anyway. Yeah. So don't let anyone set your limitations. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's great. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. My pleasure. If people want to find out more about you online, I mean, you're on Twitter. I'm on at K Sorbs. Somebody stole mm-hmm. my name. I can't have at Kevin Sorbo or at Sorbo. Somebody, so I, at Sorbs, S-O-R-B-S was my nickname. They still, my buddies still call me Sorbs. You know, Sorbo, Sorbs. It's kind of easy for a last name. People do that all the time with names of their friends. And then the official Facebook page of Kevin Sorbo or KevinSorbo.net. Mm-hmm. Because some guy in Canada and Calgary stole KevinSorbo.com and wants to sell me back my own name. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. This stuff goes on. Jeez. And uh, I want to tell everybody right now, go see God's Not Dead. We can talk about that. Yeah, we, we Go see God's Not Dead. Yeah. Check it out. It's in theaters. Yeah. I, I, don't, saw, know, I don't know when this airs, but you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it, 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 it's in its ninth week already, and it's been in the top ten every week, which is amazing. A $2 million movie. It's made over $57 million. Yeah, and I'm so glad, too. I mean, I, I yeah. saw the movie because I, I, it looked really intriguing to me as like yeah. the philosophical kind of debate that, that your character has yeah. with the student. It's apologetics. About. It's, you know, you got, the, yeah. you got the atheist scientific viewpoint of the non-existence of God, and you got the the student in my philosophy class who wants to prove the existence of God. And it's it's it's, it's hit a nerve with people. There's no question. Yeah. And it's, now it's going to open 33 more countries. It's crazy. That's great. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So make sure everybody goes, goes and cool. sees that. Awesome. Kevin, thank you again. This has been awesome. All right. Cool. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Bookends. And hopefully you enjoyed uh, what was left there of uh, the, the Demigods interview. Uh, so, so cool to get him on the podcast and a big shout out. Uh, we, we, we did this last episode, but I just want to thank her as well. Big shout out to Jen for, for making that, making that happen. Yeah. And we've got, we've got a lot of really cool guests lined up over the next, uh, few weeks and months. So very much looking forward to it. You can't see me right now because this is an audio podcast for those of you who haven't figured that out yet, but I am rubbing my hands together. I can like, hear it. I can uh, hear the hand rubbing in the mic. That sounded dirty, didn't it? I can hear the hand rubbing in the mic? Yeah, yeah. That did sound dirty. And we're moving on. My pick of the week this week is, uh, well, I already mentioned this on a previous episode, but I realized I didn't really make it my pick of the week uh, because I didn't know how I could, seeing as it is a live theater performance that is now unfortunately closed. Really sad news. The Bridges of Madison County musical closed after only um, two months, I think, or three months on Broadway. is really, really sad for the community. Anytime you see a show closed, it's really sad for the community, especially when it's this good. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to understand. But I, my pick of the week is the original Broadway cast album, which is available everywhere. iTunes, Amazon, etc., etc. So... If you are a fan of musicals, if you are a fan of Jason Robert Brown, which I am, he is a brilliant, brilliant composer, lyricist, and uh, this is one of his, I think, most mature uh, scores. Hmm. It's a it's a new sort of era. I feel like for him. Wow. Um, so he's got a lot of exciting things this year. Uh, to keep him busy enough, even though this was closing. Um, 
Honeymoon in Vegas is is opening on Broadway later in the fall, and they are turning they are currently turning the last five years, which is one of my favorite musicals, yeah. into a film. Wow. So uh, he will be he will be busy, but uh, I wanted to you know bring some attention to what I think is a beautiful beautiful piece of art and piece of music. Cool. And uh, I noticed that we both have. Uh, Albums as our pick of the week. I know this is this is an inside acting first. I think that we both pick music. (laughs) My pick of the week is uh, a new album from probably my favorite band ever. Um, I I feel like kind of like a kid saying that my favorite band, but um, these guys are just so good, so hardworking. I've seen them live uh, once or twice, and and they just they're like my heroes in the music world for so many reasons. Uh, every single member of the band, I'm, I'm just, I'm one of those guys that kind of digs in and just likes to learn about the lives behind the artists. So, uh, love these guys and everything they stand for, but the band is called seven dust and their new album is called time travelers and bonfires. And it's an acoustic album, but they're a metal band. So this is a, an acoustic version of some of their metal songs, I guess. There's a few new tracks on the album. Um, but most of them are actually just acoustic versions of, of past, um, past songs they've done from past albums and it's just so beautifully crystal clear produced uh crystal clear production value beautifully produced is what i was trying to say there anybody who's into any sort of kind of heavier rock music uh but likes it uh done acoustic every once in a while uh check this out it is so good awesome yeah link on the website no listener pick of the week um you guys hopefully you all know that uh we love hearing what is rocking your world um whether it relates to acting or just the creative journey or whether it's just an awesome app or a book or whatever it is um you're welcome to send that to us and we'll feature it on an episode and just let the world know um what uh what they can uh how they can kind of I don't know, I guess enrich their lives um, with whatever that is. So feel free to send those in. You can shoot them to us via email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of our listeners, our patron of the week this week is Jamie Hansen. Jamie has been in touch with the podcast in the past. He actually uh, wrote his uh, thesis, his like PhD thesis, I think, uh, or master's thesis on actors having intense emotional experiences in trainings like what Trevor and I have gone to these mm-hmm. uh, uh, leadership and self-development trainings but uh, what we are lacking on our patron page right now is a blurb uh, from 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 Jamie so we've got several patrons actually on our patron page who uh, are on a recurring monthly donation basis with us but don't have a headshot and blurb on the website so remember to send that into us jamie at all so that we can get your stuff up on the uh, on the website so that people can check out what you're up to yeah please 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 it's just great to see uh who is supporting us <laughs> who are yeah. these people who, who are, are you? you sweet uh then i think that that does it for episode 145 is there anything else that you wanted to squeeze in before we wrap up I think that's it, man. Okay. Short and sweet. Sweet. All right. Well, then, uh, those of you listening, hopefully you know uh, how to get in touch with us. As I said just a moment ago, you can start at our website, insideactingpodcast.com, 
where you can leave a comment on an episode.、Uh, you can see the number to our voicemail line, which is two one three two actors. That's two one three two 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 eight six seven seven. We love、uh, to get voicemails, like the voicemail we got、uh, this week from Mark. So feel free to、uh, call us and just let us know what's up. You can also shoot us an email at insideactingpodcast@gmail.com. We read and make every effort to respond to every email.、Um, so please、uh, feel free to, to shoot us a message of any kind there.、Uh, and then、uh, where, where else are we? We're all over the. The interwebs, aren't we? We are all over it. Just、uh, yeah, I mean, best place to go is to our website because while you're there, you can also donate. Duh,、uh, and uh, you can uh, uh, find every possible way of getting in touch with us. So that's a good place to start. Yeah, what did I, what have we forgotten?、Uh, <laughs> download our iPhone app. It's, oh、uh, yeah. yeah, it's on the App Store. It's just、uh, just、Brand、do a search. So I'm forgetting about it. Yeah, just do a search for Inside Acting.、Uh, a gentleman named Esteban Oribe took a lot of time or put a lot of time and energy into developing that for us through several different versions, and we're very proud of it. We hope、uh, it's just another way for you to enjoy the the hundreds and hundreds of hours we've amassed over the course of、uh, several years here. Um, for free,、um, just on the on the app. So the app is free. You can stream every episode to it, as well as call the podcast. I mean, he built all sorts of cool functionality in. So、um, be sure to、uh, download that and, and play with it, and let us know your thoughts.、Uh, and then, lastly, be sure you're also subscribed to our email newsletter, the Inside Acting Dispatch. We send that out every week with、um, you know a few little goodies,、uh, as well as just a notification when the episodes are live. So.、Um, Go ahead over to our website and、uh, enter your email under the、uh, dispatch tab to get that every week for free. Lots of free stuff.、Yeah. That's how we roll.、That's, that is how we roll, and、yeah. that that newsletter is is picking up steam. Yeah,、uh, it is quickly. So it is.、Um, we have several new subscribers every week, and we want you listening on that list as well. Yeah, join the yeah. party. Join the party. All right. Well, I think that does it for episode one forty-five.、Uh, my name is Trevor Algott. I'm. Oh, oh yeah. Go for let's, it. Let's see if I can get this right this time. Hmm. Okay. Let's see. So for、uh, hmm, Jen, our production coordinator, Caesar, our technical producer, all of our patrons. My name is Trevor Algott. <laughs> I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, I am not a demigod. <laughs> This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by VOTogogo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VOTogogo.com/start for a free Getting Started in Voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VOTogogo.com/start.